The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today is a really serious and important, I like to think that all my shows are important, but seriously, this is really important, um, a topic, and that is Holocaust 2014 question mark. Now I know some of you are thinking, "What? A holocaust? We're never going to. Oh, this is an exaggeration. We're never going to have a holocaust again. It was not supposed to ever happen again after the six million Jews died in Germany in World War II." Well, um, quietly, relatively quietly, we have had uh, the beginnings of of what. Um, of a Holocaust. I mean, so really, what I'm trying to say is the things that are happening in the Ukraine now are similar to the way that the Holocaust began. Uh, dropping leaflets, telling Jews to register, telling Jews to register their property, which is what happened, of course, in, uh, in Nazi Germany, um, as all the property was then confiscated. Um, synagogues have been defaced. And many Jews are considering leaving, which, of course, um, is what happened in Nazi Germany, although, although unfortunately, many Jews did not uh, have the opportunity or didn't realize that they should be leaving soon enough. But all of this has been going on in the Ukraine um, as Russia, as the pro-Russian forces have been uh, increasingly active and how Russia has... Um, been increasingly pushing on Ukraine, invading Ukraine. And um, this has, I mean, yes, it's been in the news, but it's been relatively quiet, which is really disturbing to me and which is why I wanted to have a guest who uh, can tell us all about this on the show today because, um, you know, that's what happened in Nazi Germany. It was relatively quiet for too long as far as the rest of the world finding out what's going on, that when they knew what was going on, not doing anything about it. And so um, I don't want the same thing to happen here in 2014 that uh, people have the excuse, oh, really? We didn't know all of this horrible stuff was happening in the Ukraine. Oh, that's terrible. And um, I'm concerned that so far that's essentially what's been happening here. But my guest can tell you more about this. Um, his name is Rabbi Ari Spiro. He is the author of a new book called Push Back, Reclaiming the American Judeo-Christian Spirit. And um, he is very well um, apprised of what has been going on in the Ukraine and Russia. Um, Rabbi Spiro is a, uh, a long-time uh, force in trying to 
get America to uh, reclaim its reclaim its roots and um, and stop it from going the way it's been going. He's a columnist for the American Thinker. His articles have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Times, National Review, New York Sun, Newsmax, New York Daily News, and many others. Uh, he's been on television many times, CBS, Fox News, C-SPAN, WRNET, uh, MSNBC, Fox Business News, and so on, many radio shows, guest appearances in front of the National Press Club, and he's testified in front of, the, in front of Congress. And before all this, <laughs> uh, he was a pulpit rabbi in Ohio and in New York City, where I hail from. So welcome to the show, Rabbi Spiro. Well, thank you very, very much. Uh, I, I know that the events in the Ukraine have gotten you at least as upset as they have me. So what, you know, the whole situation there is, even aside from anti-Semitism, uh, it's just so confusing as to who's on what side and who's fighting for who and against who and what's really going on. And so maybe you can start by explaining some of the um, basic things to the extent that we know them, uh, and then telling us about, you know, what's happening with the Jews. Well, during the Soviet Empire, the Ukraine was part of the Soviet Empire. Uh, and over the 1950s or so, I think it was Nikita Khrushchev, he was very confident that the Soviet Union would stay together, would never break apart. So he told Ukraine that they could be a, uh, an independent entity within the Soviet Union. And he had no worry that they were going to break apart. Now, historically, the Ukraine was its own country, um, really an extended part of, of Poland. It's east of Poland, south of Poland. Well, when the Soviet Union broke up, and many nations became free, such as Lithuania, and Latvia, Estonia, and it all started with Poland. Poland became free. One of the countries that received its freedom, total freedom, to become a sovereign nation was the Ukraine. And this is the way it's been for oh, almost 20 years, a little less. Now, what Vladimir Putin, who's the, uh, the head of the... Russian Republic, at one time he was the head of the KGB when it was the Soviet Union. Now he's their prime minister. He wants the Ukraine back. Before that, though, what he really wanted back, and he already took it, was Crimea. Crimea is a southern part of the Ukraine, the most southern part, on the Black Sea. And that's very important to the, to the Soviets, but it was always important to the Russians because the Black Sea is a warm seaport, and they use that to store their navy. Mm. Uh, it's very, very cold up there in Moscow and St. Petersburg, and so they used to keep their navy down in the Crimea, which is the very southern part of, uh, of the um, Ukraine by Odessa. And so he did take the, the Crimea back. The Crimea was an area that the Tsars used to spend for their vacation time during the winter. So Crimea he has, and I don't think that's, that's going back to any type of independent Ukraine. Now it's just a question, will he annex the Ukraine, or maybe he'll divide it. The eastern part of Ukraine seems to be pro-Soviet, and uh, the western part wants to have its own independence. So uh, what 
Putin will do. Will he take all of Ukraine or just the eastern part? That's all to be seen. Well, he's doing this right now because he does see a weak America. Hmm. There's no question that under President Obama, many things have happened around the world, and basically America stands by or sometimes makes the wrong decisions. We had this red line that the president had drawn regarding Syria, no use of gas or chemical weapons, but they did anyways. And then the president sided with the Muslim Brotherhood, of all things, in Egypt. And then when the president decided with the Europeans to get rid of Gaddafi, who wasn't a good guy, but he wasn't as bad as what has now replaced him, these jihadists. And so I think Putin says, hmm, America seems pretty weak. Regarding Iran, too, we had sanctions against Iran, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the president uh, basically caved into the Iranians, and now they're going to go forward with their Iranian uh, nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. So he sees a weak America, and he says, now's the time for me to get the Ukraine back. The problem for the Jewish community is the following. Whenever there's chaos and there's doubt and there's tumult, uh, Jewish people are often the targets. But especially so in the Ukraine, it has a history of anti-Semitism. More than that, anti-Semitism is, well, I don't want a Jewish person to be hired or belong to the country club. The Ukraine is much worse. It's actual Jew hatred where there were pogroms against the Jewish people. Sometimes in the 1600s, 125,000 Jews were killed. And, and later, uh, they were accused of all types of fantasy uh, conspiracy theater, uh, theories, and, and 50,000 were killed, vast numbers. So the, there's a lot of Jew hatred in the Ukraine, and right now they seem to be a, a target. The, the Russians are blaming the Jews for being on the Ukrainian side, and the Ukrainians are blaming the Jews for being on the Russian side. Uh, basically, uh, the Jews are just on the side for um, whatever will allow for stability. So there have been... Certain things that appear to be anti-Jewish, there have been some synagogues that have been uh, painted, and there were those leaflets, the ones that you're referring to, which was shocking all across the world, the leaflets telling the Jewish people to somehow identify themselves, which no other group was asked to do, and it, it reminded people of what happened in the Nazi era, where the Jews were singled out during the invasion of, of Germany against these different countries in Poland and Lithuania. The Jews were singled out to come and to show identification, and that ended up, they had numbers, and they were either killed or shipped off to concentration camps. So that is the fear, not necessarily of a Holocaust, but there's a fear uh, that it could be bad days ahead for the Jewish people there in the Ukraine, especially with the history of terrible, it might have been one of the worst areas, the Ukraine, in Jewish history in Europe. Uh, the Ukrainians, they co- collaborated with the Nazis in killing Jews all across this area, and it's a vast area. It's not like the size of Rhode Island. Ukraine is big. It's big. I bet you it's bigger than, than, than Michigan. Huh. Very big area. It's a big, big area. So that's the worry. Well, yeah, you know, that's a great, putting everything into perspective. Um, Going back to what you were saying about, like, why why now with Putin? Um, Why... I mean, first of all, you know, what, what about the rest of Ukraine? What, what makes East Ukraine, like, why is he going after that area? You explained about Crimea, Crimea needing that for the Navy, for the ships. 
But why is it just that, um, why did he pick Ukraine? The Ukraine, uh, in, in years earlier, was considered the breadbasket of Europe. A lot of wheat was grown in the Ukraine. A lot of farmland. Now, the eastern part of the Ukraine is more populated by Russians, because Russians is the, the very, very eastern part of, of Europe. The western part of the Ukraine, like cities like Lvov, Lemberg, that's in the western part, well, that's very close to Hungary. Um, and therefore, that's more part of Western Europe, so they would want to be a entity unto themselves, and they'd like to be involved with Western Europe. The eastern part, which would be Kiev, uh, that's closer to the Soviet Union, because the Soviet Union is on the whole eastern part of this whole continent. So he has a greater chance of annexing the eastern part of the Ukraine around Kiev because he has a population there that is closer geographically to Russia. Many people just came from Russia in the north, and they just went down south into the Ukraine, the eastern part. Mm -hmm. Whereas the western part, that's closer to to Hungary and to certain parts of Poland, and uh, it's not as populated by the Russians. So for him to take that, he'd really have to wage a real war. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's going to do that. Um, well, when we co- we do need to take a break now, but when we come back, you can pontificate on that because I, I, I have lots more questions for you. My guest is Rabbi Ari Spiro. His book is called Pushback, Reclaiming the American Judeo-Christian Spirit. We're talking about today about Holocaust, question mark, 2014. Could it happen again? You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about the Holocaust 2014 question mark, could it happen again? 
and uh, out of my concern for what's happening to Jews in the Ukraine and about how so many of the uh, similarities um, date back to Nazi Germany, the Jews having to identify themselves, register, and so on. That was the beginning of the Holocaust. My guest is Rabbi, Rabbi Ari Spiro. His new book is called Reclaim, Push Back, Reclaiming the American Judeo-Christian Spirit. We were talking about um, uh, Rabbi Spiro was giving us such a great um, background because <laughs> because in news uh, new sound bites these days on the news, you know, it's uh, and with all the chaos that's happening in the Ukraine, it's kind of difficult to know what's going on. Um, one of the one of the um, thoughts I had, and, and um, this may be a pop psychology view of of it, and of course I want you to tell us more of the history, but. Um, it's interesting, and yes, I totally agree with what you were saying about how um, Putin decided this was a good time because he wouldn't have much pushback from Obama, um, and so and he really hasn't. Um, and but it was also interesting to me that the um, invasion started right after the Olympics, and I couldn't. I, I've been trying to decide whether. And I know you might not think this has anything to do with it at all, but psychologically speaking, looking into his mind, I wondered whether either um, he was somewhat emboldened by the fact that um, the Olympics did so well, there, was, there were no terrorist attacks, um, the Russians did pretty well as far as what they won, and... Um, and this emboldened him to go on a camp- uh, on a campaign to, as you said, to take back some of the <laughs> property that he um, wanted to belong to him again, uh, or to Russia again. And uh, or the other way around, um, they had lost the what was it, the hockey game, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and on, so another way of looking at it is that you know, and the country, of course, was devastated about that. And so another way of looking at it would be that that this was a way to oh reinsert his power, reclaim power to you know, yes, we lost this big game, you know, the the number one game that we wanted to win, but um, but I'm still a tough guy. Look, I'm going to invade Crimea and the Ukraine. I'm sure that he had decided made plans to invade the Ukraine way before the Olympics. But the Olympics served as a great decoy because the whole world thought, well, here's Putin. He has the Olympics. He's waited for the Olympics. And everybody's watching him at the games. And he's immersed in the games. And he's busy trying to make sure Mm -hmm. that everything comes off perfectly. And if there's going to be any military involvement it will be to keep away terrorists. Now, that's the greatest decoy if you want to uh. then immediately attack Ukraine. The, the plan to attack the Crimea did not happen at the Olympics, either because Russia did well or because Russia lost at hockey. These plans take months and months to coordinate and to figure out and to get troops in, in position if you're going to attack You need months. So this was something in the works, and he probably timed it specifically right around the Olympics. He wouldn't do it during the Olympics because he wanted the spotlight, everything positive for Russia. But he did it immediately after the Olympics, and he was, while you're looking at Putin 
and he's watching the hockey game, and mm. he's singing the Russian national anthem. Mm. Well, and you think he's just focused on that. That's the greatest decoy, because afterwards he's calling his generals and his people and the army in the field, and he's making plans for the invasion. So this was planned before. Mm. The Olympics was a great decoy. Hmm. As Putin, when he was with the Soviet Union, was part of the KGB, but he's also a nationalist. He believes in Russian history and Russian culture, and now he even believes in the Russian Orthodox Church. The Orthodox Church is the most identifiable characteristic of Russia. The czars were associated with the Russian uh, church. The literature from Tolstoy and Dostoevsky surrounded the Russian Orthodox Church, and what the communists did in order to wean people away from Russian loyalty to the communist Soviet loyalty, which is above nation, they, of course, uh, did not allow the Russian Orthodox Church to uh, do its worship and to be a force in the country. So he's, though, a nationalist. And he wants his country to have those features of Russian historic nationalism, Crimea being one, the Navy mm. port, and also uh, the Ukraine. Remember, if the czars used to go all the way from Moscow and St. Petersburg during the winter down to Odessa, they had to go through the Ukraine. And therefore, the Ukraine had to be friendly to Russia. So he sees it as, as part of Russia. Uh, I happen to think, though, that for the Jewish community there, while it is dangerous, and I might be veering a little bit off your perspective, while it might be dangerous, Holocaust will not be the consequence. The Holocaust that the Jews have to worry about is in Israel. You have an Iran that has declared that they are building a bomb specifically to wipe out the entire Jewish population of Israel. That's the Holocaust we have to worry about. The other part is the jihadists, some of the Muslim brotherhoods, that have said that they want to search out Jews all over the world who support Israel to make sure that there never will be an Israel again. Hmm. And you hear this all the time coming from the imams. But it's not just imams from one country. You hear this death to the Jews, this call death to the Jews, being announced from the pulpits of the imams in Egypt and Libya and Lebanon and Gaza and Iran and Iraq and Syria. And you even hear it in certain Muslim countries in Europe the Balkan countries, Bulgaria, Bosnia, and you even hear it in certain parts in, in England from certain imams. The Holocaust that Jews have to worry about is going to come, I hope it doesn't, but if it does, it's coming from the Islamic world. They're speaking about it. Remember, Hitler, in his Mein Kampf, the book that he wrote way before the Holocaust was instituted, already telegraphed to the world through his book and his writings that he wanted to exterminate the Jewish people. The only group today that is telegraphing that message explicitly, it's their main message, to kill the Jews, destroy Israel, that's coming from Iran, and it's coming from the imams of Islam. So right. while the Jews in the Ukraine have something to worry about, it's, it's 
the Holocaust, I don't think, is going to happen in the Ukraine. Not from Putin. Uh huh. Well, I, I totally agree with you as far as um, terrorists, as far as what you were just saying in Israel and so on. Um, I guess the reason why the reason why this struck me particularly is because um, the, of the specific behaviors. You know, I mean, I mean, yes, that is the biggest a threat that we have to worry about um, all of the terrorists and the imams and so on that are that are, have been preaching this for a long time but I guess the fact and, and somehow you know that kind of goes into uh, it, it didn't seem although although it obviously is imminent but it, it didn't seem as nothing had happened um, that was a trigger in my mind uh, that that was so much like the Holocaust I mean you know how Jews had to wear armbands or had to wear Jewish stars uh, in the Holocaust and be identified and be registered. That just really struck a nerve. I understand that those, uh, those things do strike a nerve, but I don't know that the Ukraine, in the Ukraine, you could, God forbid, have some pogroms, you know, real spontaneous breakouts against Jewish people. You can't end up, I don't think, with a Holocaust because you need a government in charge. A Holocaust is something where there are concentration camps and transportation to the camps and soldiers and, and trains and planning. You have to go from one place to another. For that, you need a government. And right now, the Ukraine is in chaos. That's the whole question. Who's the government? Right. Where with Islam, you have governments. You have Iran and you have these, these other governments that seem dedicated to uh, destroying Israel and, and the Jewish people. It's not just Israel. If you read what they say about Jews, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. And yes, they, they Jews everywhere. Right. They quote their religious documents. Uh, as far as Putin, Putin's an interesting fella. Uh, Putin uh, uh, doesn't come across as, a, uh, as an anti-Semite. Uh, Russia has a history of, of, of Jew hatred, but Putin doesn't seem to be of that category. I'll never forget where Putin came to Israel. He made a visit to Israel. Not only is that a recognition of Israel, he went to the Western Wall, mm. and he put in a little paper in the Western Wall. He put on a yarmulke. Mm. Now, Adolf mm. Hitler would never put on a yarmulke. Mm-hmm. The imams in Iran would never go to what we call the Kotel, the wall in Jerusalem, which is the, the symbol of, 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 of Israeli sovereignty. No imam would go there and pray and put on a yarmulke. He yeah. did this. Now, you've got to be, even the best faker in the world, just if he's a real Jew hater, couldn't do that. So um, I don't think that he is anti-Jewish. Uh, there were some Soviet leaders like Stalin, that were terribly anti-Jewish. Terrible. Just terrible. Mm. Uh, but uh, Putin, I don't think so. So I think the Jewish people in Ukraine have to worry because there can be a mob frenzy. And whenever there's a mob frenzy, they will target the Jews. There was a mayor that was killed. I think the mayor of Kiev happened to be Jewish. Now, no one knows. Not killed. He was shot. And thank God they, they rushed him off and they saved his life. From his wounds, no one knows if he was shot because he was Jewish or just because he happened mm. to be the mayor. Mm. Uh, but I think that the Jewish people in these areas of Ukraine should 
really consider going up, leaving, and going to Israel, mm-hmm. which is the country that rescues Jews who are threatened. Right. Well, um, with that, we need to take another break. My guest is Rabbi Ari Spiro. His book is called Push Back, Reclaiming the American Judeo-Christian Spirit. We will be right back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Rabbi Ari Spiro. His new book is called Reclaiming the American Judeo-Christian Spirit. Actually, the main title is Push Back, and we'll talk about that a little bit in the last segment. Um, Before the break, we were talking about, uh, uh, you know, the Putin, which, and you made a really good point about, um, about Putin going to Israel and so on, and, and, uh, we have to give him credit for that. And that's what's really interesting. One of the things that's really interesting about what's happening in the Ukraine, that the, um, Russia, Putin, is claiming that it's the Ukrainians who are anti-Semitic and who are, who are doing all these terrible things. And um, the Ukrainians are claiming that it's the pro-Russian forces who distributed the leaflets and so on, and, and they're denying it. So everybody's blaming everybody else, and meanwhile, these things have been happening. Well, you know, in today's world, especially in Europe, no one wants to be labeled an anti-Semite, a perpetuator of a future Holocaust. So when this news came out about five weeks ago, six weeks ago, of targeting the Jews among all groups, targeting Jews and asking them for identifications and their location. And it was, as you said, reminiscent of the early days prior to the Holocaust, precipitating the Holocaust. No one in Europe wants to be uh, labeled an initiator of the Holocaust. So Putin is blaming the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians are blaming Putin. Uh, The only group in the world that seems to have no problem to 
outrightly talk about exterminating the Jews <laughs> is yeah. Iran yeah. and the imams. Uh, they're, they actually, they're, they're proud of it. And, and, and that's why I'm much more worried about what's happening yeah. in the Muslim world. With the, what I would say to the Ukrainians, although it's hey, easy for me to say, but uh, right now there's a lull. Mm-hmm. And there's a chance to make a decision to leave the country. And nearby is Israel. And for the younger people, it shouldn't be a problem. I understand with older people, it's hard to pick yourself up, even to a country that will open up its arms to you, as Israel will. Israel is there, one of many reasons, to welcome Jews who are being threatened around the world. And it's hard, though, for older people. How do they start over? But the younger people should should consider, really, going to Israel. That's their safe haven. The Israelis will take care of them, and... The future is there for them. It's not in the Ukraine. Well, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's, it's interesting, though, because, you know, on the other hand, as you were rightly saying, um, the bigger threat is from Iran to Israel and, of course, you know, in general uh, to the Jews around the world. But um, so, I mean, it's almost like no place is safe. But um, let's, let's talk point. about the response. What do you think about the response? that the response has been to the Ukraine and to the, uh, the anti-Semitism in the Ukraine, and then, of course, we can talk about the larger issue. Well, actually, the response was very good. People were horrified. They looked at this because they do know the history of the Ukraine. People know the long history of, the, of, the, of, of pogroms emanating from the Ukraine. There was one pogrom uh, during the time of Chelmnitsky in the 1600s, where I think he slaughtered 125,000 Jews. There were blood libels. They're called blood libels where people would accuse the Jews of using, I don't know, non-Jewish blood in baking the matzahs for Passover. It's such Mm -hmm. a silly, it's so foolish, it's so vile, that accusation. Number one, break a matzah, you'll see there's no blood in it. (laughs) Matzah is is, is crackly. Number two, uh, one of the most forbidden things in, in, in Jewish culinary, the kosher laws, is blood. Mm. Thou shalt not drink the blood, for the blood is life. So Jews would never, ever uh, use blood. And number three, in all their history, nothing was ever found to substantiate such an idiocy. Number four, I'm a rabbi, and I'm involved in the baking of matzahs, and I can tell you that it, all it is is flour and water. So this was a canard, but it was used in the early 1900s. It shocked the world. There was a fellow named Mendel Bylas, and I think he lived in Kiev, Kishniev, Kishniev. And uh, he was accused of murdering somebody in order to have blood to put into matzahs. It's mm-hmm. something that we would, we would hear from imams today. Mm-hmm. And uh, then a pogrom did arise. And hundreds of Jews, thousands of Jews were killed. So it's knowing that history, people are, they have a quick reaction to uh, pogroms in Ukraine when they hear about Jews being singled out for identification. And uh, I was very happy with the response of the world. And that's why you have Putin and the Ukrainians, each one trying to exonerate themselves mm. and saying, no, 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 we're not the anti-Semites. Mm. Hmm. 
Yeah. And what did you think about Obama's response, if there was a response? Uh, Actually, I'm more worried when Obama took away the promised space shield, the missile defense shield we had promised Poland, and then he said, no, we're not going to go ahead of that. That sent a message to Putin that America was not going to defend uh, Mm. European allies. And cumulatively, all of these messages of, of, of weakness, they finally coalesced to where a leader such as Putin then is emboldened to make the move, which he did uh-huh. in Ukraine. Uh-huh. He knows that there won't be any type of redress coming from him. Uh, as far as what um, Mr. Obama did or, or didn't do, you know, I will tell you, this is my feeling. There will be one time when Obama will all of a sudden uh, become strong. And that's when Israel wants to defend itself Mm. from the bomb in Iran. And maybe has to go on the offense. Mm -hmm. Then I don't think he's going to sit by. I think, God forbid, but this is my gut feeling, Mr. Obama might tip off the Iranians. He might even try to stop the Israelis from getting rid of the bomb. Basically from defending themselves from uh, incineration. Uh, because I think uh, all these other things, there, there are two things happening with Mr. Obama. Number one, he's inexperienced, so he doesn't know uh, what to do. But uh, secondly, and more importantly, he has a completely different value system than any other president we've had since George Washington. Uh, I don't think he's on the Judeo-Christian side. I don't think he's on the side of Western civilization. I think his sympathies lie elsewhere. And people are perplexed, and for years they've been trying to find excuses, and then they thought it was inexperience, or they thought he was so smart that he was thinking (laughs) of things that nobody thought of. (laughs) I've said from the beginning, he has a value system, and I say it in the book. It's not a value system of the Judeo-Christian ethos. He's the first president in our history that wasn't raised on the Bible, Dr. Carroll. Mm-hmm. Every president, even the one I didn't like, like Jimmy Carter, but Jimmy Carter was raised on the Bible. Bill Clinton might enjoy women and things, but he was raised on the Bible. Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton has great respect for the Bible. Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton would never have taken on the Catholic Church as Obama has uh, regarding this Obamacare. But he's the first president that was not raised with this. He was raised uh, in Indonesia. I don't know where he's born. That's not my issue, but I do know where he's raised. Mm-hmm. He was raised in Indonesia. He went to madrasas, and he was raised with the Koran. So his sympathies are different than any other president we had. I'll just tell you an interesting story. We have time? Quick story. Um, Harry okay. Truman, when he looked back on his administration, they asked him, what was it that in all of your decisions that you were most proud of? He said, recognizing the state of Israel. And they said, why? He said, because I became Cyrus. He says, as a young man, I would read the Bible, and I read in the book of Ezra, where Cyrus, the king of Persia, declared that the Jewish people who had been captive in Babylon and Persia could go back to Israel and rebuild the temple. Cyrus gave them that permission, and he said, I gave the Jewish people Hmm. permission to have a state. I was Cyrus. That's because he was raised, Harry Truman, with the Bible. Hmm. Hmm. Barack Obama was raised with the Koran. Yes. 
Well, you know, that's going to uh, segue, that helps segue us into talking about your book, which is, I've been reading, which is not, um, I haven't read the book yet, but I've been reading about it, and um, that it's not just a book, that it's, also, it's, a, it's a campaign, um, something that you um, want to do and that you've started doing in terms of changing America, pushing back. So why don't we start talking about that? Very good. Uh, I think that Americans have to realize that there are forces on the left, and they're partnering up with, with Islam too, that want to transform America so that it's no longer the America that we recognize. And we're going to lose freedoms and liberties. We'll eventually lose certain prosperities because part of this, this uh, attack against American values is also an attack against the free enterprise system. Uh, all these regulations and all of these uh, uh, desire to put people and make them dependent as opposed to going out and, and making a living. This is all an attack on the ethos of the free enterprise system. And without free enterprise, uh, countries, they diminish their wealth and they become impoverished. All these countries that become welfare states, eventually what you have is an elitist clique that runs the country, and they become, they become wealthy because they're connected to the government and they get particular contracts and jobs. But then you have uh, uh, the rest of the country that's dependent upon the welfare or dependent upon government jobs, and that keeps the ruling clique in power. That keeps the socialist, liberal ruling clique in power because they basically make a deal with the people. You vote for us, and we'll keep sending all of your freebies, if it's welfare, if it's housing, if it's food stamps, uh, if it's, and if you're wealthy, we'll, you support us, fundraise, give to our campaigns, and if you'll have a company, we'll make sure that you get Solyndra contracts from the government, and uh, it keeps them in power. Mm-hmm. And it diminishes our wealth and diminishes our liberty, and it's, there are people that want to do that because they feel that they're entitled to this power. They know better. They're entitled, and it's almost like a class thing now. It's a ruling class versus the rest of us, and we have to wake up, and we've got to push back. The only ones that can defend our country are we the people. And as I say in the book, if someone would be coming from the outside, outside the shores of America and said, listen, I'm going to regulate you. I'm going to destroy your, your, your free enterprise, and I'm going to stifle your opportunity to have wealth and be independent. Matter of fact, I'm going to start to take away your religious freedom under all types of wonderful slogans. I'm going to take away your religious freedom. We would fight. When it happens from within, we think, oh, well, listen, um, they don't really mean it. Uh, They can't possibly mean it. After all, they're fellow Americans. But just because someone's born in America doesn't mean he shares the values that we were brought up and these values are personal responsibility, self-reliance, hard work, free enterprise, capitalism, a belief in certain biblical values. I'm not talking about going to church or counting rosary beads or eating kosher, but there are certain generic biblical values that have undergirded the spirit, the ethos of this country. And when they go, uh, the country will 
Well, the country will be in danger. Yes. I always well, say that for something to survive, it needs an identity. You fight for an identity. Every family needs an identity. Every person, every nation. And when you tell a people that, well, it no longer has an identity, not its religion, not its nationhood, not its culture, well, then you leave it open and other things are going to fill it, like we yes. see in Europe. Yes. Islam Rabbi, is coming Rabbi in. Shiro, I hate to interrupt you, but this is, this is so important, and we will continue with it in the next uh, segment. But we do need to take another break. My guest is Rabbi Ari Spiro. His book is Push Back, Reclaiming the American Judeo-Christian Spirit, and we will talk more about that and his campaign to help us do just that. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Rabbi Ari Spiro. His book is Push Back, Reclaiming the American Judeo-Christian Spirit, and he was in the middle of telling us about that and about um, what he is challenging us Americans, we Americans, to do, to wake up, as I like to say, from our lattes, <laughs> where we're in such denial, denial about terrorism, denial about so many things, and including what this loss of the Judeo-Christian spirit means. Um, and, and I'm glad you made the point. It's not that you're trying to get everybody to count rosary beads or to keep kosher. It's the spirit. Maybe you could explain that a little more. When I say there's a certain attitude, you, you know, if you're familiar and you are, with the, the movies of uh, Gary Cooper, there was that rugged individual, and he was honest, and uh, he worked hard, and he believed in, in loyalty and love of country, the, the epitome of that rugged American individualism, and, and pick yourself up from your bootstraps and make something of yourself. Don't go around whining as if the world owes you a living. Uh, America owes you only one thing, freedom, because that's the whole essence of America, freedom. And then America also owes you a, an army to guarantee that people will not come from the outside and take away your freedom. America doesn't owe you uh, a living. 
America just owes you a f- freedom, the liberty to do what you want so long as it doesn't hurt someone else. And that's the American ethos. That came from the, from the Judeo-Christian ethos. I happen to be a rabbi, so people, when they hear me say Judeo-Christian, they think I'm referring to the, the abortion issue. I'm not. Although I happen to be of the camp that I have great respect for life and abortions have to be limited. I'm not Catholic, so I, I don't talk about from the moment of conception, but I'm, I'm certainly much more conservative than most of my very liberal Jewish brothers and sisters who, who uh, are just way, way to allowing of, in my opinion, abortion any time. So I have respect for, 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 for life, and I have a, a very traditional view of marriage, a man and a woman. That's how uh, Western civilization has configured it. But when I speak about the Judeo-Christian ethos, I'm speaking about these values. If you look in the Bible, the Bible talks about, number one, we are individuals. We're not members of a group. Being considered an individual gives one great opportunity because you're not held back by the group, but nor should you be pushed forward automatically because you're a member of a group. I don't believe it in affirmative action. The Bible speaks to people as you in the individual sense, not you in the collective sense. You as an individual, you should not be held back because of the group that you belong to. You know, Bible says that the children shouldn't be punished for the sins of the parents. Nobody should be punished for the sins of the group. On the other hand, no preference should be given to you because you're a member of some um, uh, preferential group. No way. That's the American ethos. It came from the Bible. We call that the Judeo-Christian ethos. When the pilgrims came here, that was the ethos that they had. They believed in, in, in work. Six days shall you work, the Bible says. That's not some uh, uh, holy roller uh, phrase. That's a very generic Attitude, work, don't be dependent. We are responsible to be self-reliant, and we are responsible for our actions. That's part of the Judeo-Christian ethos. That's the definition of America. Be responsible for what you do. Don't blame other people all the time. We know that because it says in the Bible that God created us in the image of God. What does that mean, image of God? Do I look like God? Do you look like God? Who knows what God looks like? But it means that we are responsible. As God is responsible and God is accountable, we human beings made in his image are responsible for, for, to take care of those that we love, and we're also accountable for our actions. That's the whole story with Cain and Abel. God says to, to Cain, hey, where were you? Where are you? And and Cain says, well, am I my brother's keeper? And basically God says, yes, uh, you're responsible. So these are, and that's not the ethos that you find the world all over. Uh, there. In other places, they believe in dependency, mm-hmm. equality. We believe in equality, but equality doesn't mean that we're all guaranteed equal materialism. It just means that we're equal justice under the law. We're all equal when it comes to the court. Rich or poor, white or black, the same law applies. So that's the Judeo-Christian ethos. And that's Um, what's great for people. So what are you trying to get? What do you want people to do um, after they read your book, or, 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 you know, I'm sure you're also talking to people in the media, through the media, and, and in speeches and so on. What are you trying, what um, campaign, what are you trying to get people to do? Two things. Number one, they have to re- 
three things. Number one, they have to realize that this is our identity, that our success wasn't a coincidence. It's tied to this outlook. And if we remove this outlook from our national character, everything is in jeopardy. Our, our wealth, our prosperity, our freedom, our opportunity. That's number one. Number two, you have to also realize that now there are people, a ruling class, a liberal ruling class, basically on the left, in the name of doing everything for us, wants to change this ethos. If you take away the Judeo-Christian ethos, then you're going to really have a power over the people. And so once you know that, now you have to push back. You've got to fight it. You've got to fight it. You've got to let your congressmen and your senators know that you don't want this overregulation or you didn't want Obamacare. You want to have choice to be able to choose your doctor. You've got to go to all of your local meetings, your local school board, your zoning. You have to make sure it's your school. The founding fathers believed in local control. That's what differentiates America from Europe. Europe is state control. America is local control. The Bible talks about local control. It's all over the Bible. Make sure in your school where your children go, they teach what you want, and they're not allowed to impose values that are corrupt or unwholesome, impure, that you don't want your children exposed to. Diversity is fine, but uh, we know the difference between that which is just different as opposed to that which is corrupting and that which is unwholesome. Protest in the street. The left protests all the time. We have to protest. Yeah. Look what, and, and, and stand up for people who do go out there and speak for patriotic causes and the Judeo. Stand behind them. Otherwise, what happens is you end up with a situation now where you have these Benham brothers down in North Carolina and, and their program is canceled simply because they believe in traditional marriage. Not enough people are standing behind the, mm. the people that stand up. And everybody just says, hey, listen, uh, let that guy fall. I just hope that they don't go after me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Too I, much uh, political correctness. Political correctness. It started out as political correctness. Now it's basically a tool, a strategy used by the left to silence people who say things that the left does not want to have expressed. It's now a deliberate tool. It, initially, it was political correctness. It was everybody bending over backwards not to offend. But I think the powers in the left now realize that it's the greatest tool. If mm-hmm. you can silence your opposition, uh, demonize what they say, then eventually the whole country will come around to the way of, of the leftward thinking because mm-hmm. they won't hear an opposing view. You had a situation where Condoleezza Rice was invited to Rutgers, Rutgers here in New Jersey, <laughs> the Secretary of State, and because, uh, because about 10 Muslim students didn't like her because they didn't like her policy regarding Iraq during the Bush years, so she's canceled out, basically. Wow, wow. This is crazy. I mean, not that I'm, not that I'm a good you know, friend of uh, Condoleezza Rice, but, that's, but it shouldn't happen like that. Well, I've just got the signal that our time is up. I want to make sure that people know where they can buy the book and where they can find out more. And the best, way, the best website to go to for, to find out more um, is pushbackamerica.com. Pushbackamerica.com. You can buy the book from there. You can also buy the book from Amazon and from Barnes & Noble and various wherever books are sold. And um, and this is important stuff. This is just the we thank you for for um, for giving us uh, the tip of the iceberg, 
and the highlights, but obviously this is important stuff that we need to know more about and to, and to act on. So I'd like to thank my guests so much um, for sharing all of this insight with us and history with us. Uh, Rabbi Ari Spiro, again, the book is called Push Back, Reclaiming the American Judeo-Christian Spirit, and the website is pushbackamerica.com. Thank you so much, Rabbi, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.